Hi everyone. Just wanted to take a quick second before we get started on this next episode to just once again thank you for listening. We've heard some incredible feedback from some of you. Um, really fun stuff, fun conversations that we've sparked with some of you, some some new thoughts that some of you have had. It's been really encouraging um, and frankly exciting for us too. Um, that's why we started these conversations is so that we could just share the things that we're talking about with you and hopefully spark up some some fun conversations amongst you as well. So again, just thank you for listening. If we could just ask one more time that uh, um, that you subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying it. Um, whatever your favorite services that you listen to um, or listen through, um, just go on and subscribe there. Um, if you could leave us a comment, um, rate our podcast, that would be going another extra step that just helps us out so much as we, as we try to build this. Um, so again, thank you, and I really hope you enjoy this next episode. Okay, we are here. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> I know. I intentionally did. <laughs> I good. should have started with OB. O-B. No, 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 no. That's not good. <laughs> all, okay. All of the, okay. Okay. <laughs> all of the two-letter combos that would not be appropriate. <laughs> could, I picked them. <laughs> I was going to say we go through a list right now. So <laughs> let's not. Okay, moving on. Instead of okay. <laughs> O B K Y. We are not grown ups. <laughs> Whoever claimed we were. I've we been have trying. never made that claim. <laughs> we're getting older. We're not we're not growing <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's uh that's never been a thing that I don't think anyone has ever accused us of. Being grown-ups. Jeez. Well, at least not you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. At least not me. Yeah. I've, I've always had three kids. <laughs> I was... It took me a second. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and when... when I we... seriously counted <laughs> in my head. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Um, you know, oh, I was just... I'm the third. Child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. when we lived in McCall and we were working on the teen center, and you and Dan and Sean, I'm using air quotes here, worked <laughs> together on the teen center. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was like letting you guys loose on a playground. And, uh, and I just had to make sure everybody followed the rules <laughs> and nobody got hurt. Listen, you guys were perfect for it. I'm not saying anything. We but... worked no air quotes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I still, every time I even get close to thinking of myself as an adult or as a grown up or as a responsible person. Um, I just remember, you know, being with, um, 
Michael Limbert out in our yard, in the backyard. <laughs> I know exactly and what this is. He was in the seventh grade, I think, <laughs> and I had a burn pile going, and I found a bunch of spray paint cans in the house we were running, and so I took out my twenty-two and I set up the spray paint cans, and then I was shooting the spray paint cans into the fire, and there was like these mushroom cloud explosions coming up out of the fire, and I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. And at one point, Michael turns to me, again, Seventh in grade. junior high, and says, <clears throat> do you think we should be doing this? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> and you're, no, I was just about to say that. <laughs> I am not a grown-up. No. Yeah. No, no. And the, the day I stopped expecting that to happen was a no. really freeing day. Because our life now, has turned to magic, didn't it? <laughs> it did, because now that we're in our 40s, ugh, um, it's like, no, we're young. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, what I would give, though, to have you and Dan and Sean in the same space again oh, would just be wonderful. Those are some good days. Those yeah. are some good days. Yeah, yeah, the three of you working together. I loosely use the word working. Um, I know you guys. You guys did hard work. Sound like we had no, no work but, ethic. Like we but just you guys were fucked all, off all day. No, no, no. But you guys were all doing exactly what you wanted to be doing. So it was, it was pretty great. It was a pretty great yeah. time. Yeah. So it was. Uh, it was really great to watch you guys in action. You each brought something really. Um, you know, unique to the table each because you guys were different, but, yeah. but yet with the same focus to just uh, love people and yeah. Um, so it was good. Maybe I could I could organize an event and then say, okay, now you guys do it, and I could step back <laughs> right. and just make sure that the logistics were handled, and while you guys just did your thing, and it was uh, it was awesome to watch, really awesome yeah. to watch. So we were a good crew. Yeah, you're in yeah. that crew. It was a good crew. Uh, yeah, but I was usually um, <laughs> trying to rein you guys in. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. No, we have to talk about something serious yeah. right now. No, guys, stop playing video games. And all the times <laughs> you said, you can't play that music in here. Or, we need to turn this movie off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty much. And we're like, Pretty what? Much. Why? <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> oh my gosh what are you drinking i am drinking a mary hill rosé which is my favorite rosé i've tried a few others but this is my favorite no, rosé of sangiovese okay <laughs> isn't that what it is it's, uh maybe I, think that's the name of it, yeah. I don't really look at the label i just know <laughs> what i like yeah yeah it's a good one it's it is a good one i had no idea that i liked uh rosé until well, you don't I, really like rosé. I don't. I like Mary Hill's rosé. Because Mary Hill's rosé is not a normal rosé. So. And if Mary Hill would like to sponsor this episode... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's so great. <laughs> yes, we will we'll take a Mary Hill sponsorship. Hey! <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I am drinking a, um, a Shiraz. So... And it's a, a 19 Crimes. These are the fun bottles. Yeah, that one, 
Mm, yeah, the fun bottles, but I can't get their app to work. So I yeah, don't, so I don't get to experience the fun. The way it's supposed to work is they have this sweet um, app that you like you video their bottle and the uh, the criminals like the, the, their their mugshots like old timey like nineteen twenties criminal mugshots uh-huh. like come to life and start moving like a Harry Potter kind of bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, but I've yet to get it to work. But I I love this wine. This is like a this is a wine that we just keep around because it's cheap. seriously it's eight ninety nine a bottle, yeah. which is stupid cheap for a bottle of wine, and it is totally drinkable yeah i mean it's a i mean i like it even so kind of fun so and they're just fun bottles i love fun bottles like like people talk about shopping for wine you know by labels you know Mm -hmm. um i I totally do that um and we've and again i won't buy a bottle of wine again that has a good label if their wine doesn't taste good right i want the wine to taste good too but if i'm trying a new wine I'm totally going by the label. I do have one uh, requirement, though. Middle shelf or above. I can't do that bottom shelf. This was a bottom no, shelf for this no, time. don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Yeah, listen, it. you're just, you know, you're too I'm snooty. I'm yeah. yeah, you're snooty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You still like this one, though. Um, I do. It's, it's not my absolute favorite, but my right. absolute favorite is going to be over 40 bucks, so... Yeah, we don't you need know. to do those very often. <laughs> <laughs> but if Syrah, uh, or um, if uh, Savia Sellers would like to sponsor an episode, I'd oh, be happy to do Savia that. Savia Sellers, yes. In Walla Walla, Walla. Walla Washington. <laughs> or as I like to say it, Walla Walla. <laughs> to the Muppet song, too. <laughs> okay. Do, 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 do. Walla Walla. Do, 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 do. <laughs> you, you're all stuck with it now. You won't get it out of your head. <laughs> I just think that Walla Walla is kind of a dumb name. But when it's Walla Walla, <laughs> then I want to go there all the time. <laughs> what were you saying about me? <laughs> right, right, right. Wow. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I am me. Not really. I love me. I love who I am, <laughs> so uh, I like not being fully grown. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm just saying that you're losing it over this. I'm just saying that I'm comfortable with who I am. That's a good thing, right? I should be comfortable with right. who I am. I should just let you keep talking and see what, what happens. I, I just took my first sip of wine, so it's not even the wine. I'm just, I'm just full of me today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Well, we were going to talk about me a little bit today, weren't we? Um, so we talked about maybe me talking about my uh, faith story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that sound, I mean, is that, you're still up for that? Oh, yeah. Because your faith story is far more entertaining than mine. I don't, I don't know if entertaining is the right word. Oh, it's, it's entertaining. It's very different than yours. It is very um, different, but yeah. I, and maybe because it's so different, I find it really fascinating because it's not anything that I experienced um, growing up in in terms of uh, God and faith and church and that sort of thing. So it's a very different experience, as we've referenced before. Yeah, we had a 
a moment in Ogden, Utah, where we uh, were like, oh, crap. <laughs> How do right. these two right. storylines merge together? But, um, but yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many times people have brought that up to me. Oh, that really? That story. Yes. Of <laughs> the time when when you were losing it, that I didn't have a problem with a, a woman teacher. You were the feminist and I was not. <laughs> yeah. I, seriously, people have brought that up to me so many times now. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is kind of funny. But. Um, yeah, so... It, my my face story is very different. I, I think I've had, um, I've kind of run the gambit in in faith experiences mm-hmm. within the evangelical tradition. Yeah. N- not outside of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, um, I was born and raised evangelical, and and I I haven't I haven't played with anything else um, until maybe recently. But I haven't even really played you know color outside the lines that much currently either but um but uh but yeah i was um well i'll just i'll kind of start because it it is a story um so um i um my mom and dad have told me the story from as long as i can remember that um that they got and again i used quotes <laughs> air quotes here they got saved because that's how you said right they got saved um, um shortly after they were married or maybe a couple years after they're married something like that um but they both really wanted to have kids and they weren't able to um you know they weren't able to conceive and uh so um they started going to see a doctor and, and the doctor basically told them that they should start looking at adoption. Like it was impossible for them to have children. And so not long after that, they stumbled into a church, got saved. And, um, and not long after that, my mom was pregnant. So how that's always been communicated to me is that I am a miracle that I shouldn't have been here by natural, from natural reasons, right? But that they gave their life over to God, and and then God gave them me. God gave them a son. And so, um, my mom. There's this story in the Bible um, about Samuel the prophet and how his mom Hannah um, begged God for a child, and she said, "If you'll give me a child, then I will." give him to you for your service to God. And, uh, and so she said that she prayed that prayer and then God gave me. So I was kind of like her Samuel, you know, and, um, and so she would, you know, pray over me that my life was God's and and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that all, you know, I growing up with that, um, you were special. Well, I mean, you had to have there kind was of that experience yeah. that I'm kind of special. Yeah, like there's a you know, and there's a very I'm going to say infamous thing. A lot of people would would say that it's just a it's a common saying, but I I think it's I think it's an infamous saying within the evangelical tradition that God has a plan for your life. Mm. I've grown to really <clears throat> hate that statement. Um, yeah. We may, you know, talk about it later as to why, but, um, but for me, that was my life. Like 
God has a plan for my life. And so I belong to God. Right. Mm-hmm. And so anytime <clears throat> I would, you know, do something wrong or I would, you know, get in trouble or whatever else that was always in there that don't, you know, that you belong to God, you know? And, and so you aren't, you, you aren't made for these things. Mm-hmm. You aren't for all of that. You belong to God, you mm-hmm. know? So there was like this, um, what I have come to, you know, to recognize later on in my life that there was a lot of pressure from that. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, um, hold my parents <clears throat> responsible for that. Um, they, no, that's a broad church thing. Yeah. I uh, mean, that was, yeah, that was what they were given kind of, you know? And so, and I um, think too, if we were really honest about that statement, um, for years, especially our growing up, our generation, that was something that we thought elevated people's self-confidence and yes. empowerment and, yes. you know, all of those things. We thought it was a good thing to say How to much someone, greater can your life be if you know that you are... There's, called the, by God. You're called by right. God. Yeah. Right. That here, there's a calling on your life, right? Right. So I remember, like, when I was... I wasn't even... I was still in grade school, mm-hmm. I, but I remember this. I remember we showed up at, at church one day and we all... We went to this church from the time, you know... Basically, from the time I can remember. So I know we went to other churches before that. But from the time that I can really remember, we went to the same church all the way up until probably my junior high years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember this time, I walked. we walked in on a Sunday morning, and one of the guys in our church um, that we all, it was a small church, everybody knew each other really well. Um, he, like, makes a beeline, and my dad's standing there with me, and he's, like, he's crying, right? And... And as a little kid, I'm just like, what the hell? You know, well, probably not what the hell, but I mean, I was like, no, because you were taken chosen aback. by God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and he starts going off about this dream that he had about me and that how, oh. how God has this, you know, this calling on my life and he's going to raise me up to be this mighty man and I'm going to preach the word and I'm going to do all this stuff. I mean, he's just going on and on and on. And, and the more he goes on, the harder he starts crying to pretty soon he's like weeping like talking like this mm. freaked me the fuck out i mean like freaked me out as a little kid i mean not not only was this a full-grown man in our church but i remember this guy this guy was always like i mean he was taller than my dad too my dad was always my dad's tall um but he was even taller than my dad and i just remember like this presence <laughs> this large man coming and bawling mm. his eyeballs out telling me all this stuff you know <laughs> it was just this weird surreal kind of experience that just imprinted itself on me <clears throat> but i also believed it and i i think that's a thing too is i also i also believed it and i internalized it and so then i um um i remember thinking that, you know, maybe I would be a preacher someday or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, from a young age, I remember thinking that, that kind of stuff. And so, um, so now our church experience was, um, um, it, it was, uh, I think in the Pentecostal tradition, but it was more specifically charismatic. Okay. So, um, so tell me, tell me the difference. Cause it, it yeah. took me a long time to, I mean, my, my association with charismatic as a child or growing up was John MacArthur's book, charismatic chaos, which I pretty much <laughs> kept right next to my Bible. They went together. <laughs> 
Um, yes, that you later infected me with. Um, <laughs> so, I think we burned it at one point. <laughs> okay. um, so uh, I think it, it has less to do with specific practice because practice in a lot of cases seems similar has more to do with um i think the the breakdowns of doctrines um, of doctrines and so um so like both within pentecostal and charismatic traditions um there's you know what's called speaking in tongues where um people say things that you don't you can't understand um we had this guy in our church that used to during music times and prayer times, he would pace back and forth behind all the pews and he would just go, purr, 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 and that was his speaking in tongues, like his prayer language. Like, hmm. evidently that meant something in some language. <laughs> So, anyway, if we um, could record so, facial expressions on this episode, right, it would be awesome, right? Right. Um, I think even amongst us, we thought that was weird, <laughs> but, um, but, um, you know, so there's that, um, there was this, uh, practice called, you know, being slain in the spirit where, um, you know, you'd be so overcome with the, the spirit of God that you would like pass out on the floor or you would, um, you know, roll around on the floor, shake on the floor and, you know, and there was this thing that went around for a while called holy laughter and, and, you know, and people would just start laughing out loud uncontrollably and, you know, and it was these, so these very outward kind of experiences. Um, I knew it as uh, something that had infected Florida for a period of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you'd go there and get it. You'd yeah. go there and yeah, get so it. Yeah, so people would fly to Florida. Yes. Because there was a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they would come back to their communities, and they and would bring it. and they would bring it back with them. Oh, it's kind like of the like the coronavirus. coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yes. gosh! But it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, um, and then there was uh, practices called like uh, uh, prophecy, and so um, prophecy uh, prophesying would be like. It would always, or not always, usually start with, thus saith the Lord, right? So they'd be mm. speaking directly on behalf of God. They might say something about the future. They might say something about the present, whatever. But it was, they were speaking on behalf of God and um, and sometimes imparting new information. Okay, so there was, there's that. So this is something um, you really wanted to have happen to you. Oh, yeah, you were... Like, yeah, you were kind of hot shit if, you know, if God was using you in one Except of Except, of course, ways. in the church setting, they didn't call it that. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> so there was that. Um, and so, okay, so it, within Charismatics and Pentecostals, um, and I'm not going to go too deep in this because, honestly, there's a lot that I, I yeah. don't, I haven't bothered to really learn a lot of the differences. Um, <laughs> a lot of those same practices exist across the board. Um Pentecostals are um, more fundamentalist generally in their um, in their belief systems. In other words, all of that goes along with um, you need to um, dress in certain ways. You need to conduct yourself in certain ways. You need to, you know. Certain so, moral codes. Yeah. So, like, I remember, you know, a lot of the Pentecostal gatherings that I was familiar with, like, all the women always wore, like, ankle length hmm. skirts like they never wore pants they all had very long hair but they would wear it up in buns up on top of their head and you know so there was a there was a there was like a right. moral code element that went along with that too 
um, very uh, patriarchal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, the men were the ones in charge. And Yeah, you were the feminist. <laughs> well, because I was charismatic. So, <laughs> and in, charis- in, in charismatics, it's a, it was a lot more free-flowing. So there was a mm. lot more... Um, they would say that there's a lot more freedom that you can, you know, you know right. women wear pants. Right, 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 <laughs> they right, could, right. They could have nice haircuts. They could do all that kind of stuff. Women could be in leadership in the churches. You mm. know, they could be pastors. They could all that kind of stuff. The difference is, is that like in, you know, and, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure just like in anything else, there's healthy and unhealthy. You know, the, the church I grew up in, I, you know, come to understand was very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the pastor that was there, um, you know, like very early on, this was before me, you know, but there were, you know, a bunch of single people in the church and basically he would say, Hey, God told me you and you are supposed to get married, you know, and then they would get married and then, you know, um, you know, things like that. Like, I mean, he was like that kind of like controlling and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Things like that. I, I remember at one point in time being in a Sunday morning church service and them calling this woman that attended our church forward and they were they were publicly disciplining her for something that she did. Wow. And so they were talking about they were she had to confess it to the whole congregation and then they were talking about why, you know, it was bad and why she was gonna be disciplined for a period mm-hmm. of time and I don't remember all the details, I was young, you know, that kind of thing. Stuff like that, you know, that's just yeah. like like kind of gives me the creeps now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, um <clears throat> anyway, that's that's so very shame driven. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um um yeah, I would say shame was is is one thing like, you know, that yeah, if you you know, if you acted inappropriately or you thought inappropriately, then um then yeah, you were you were certainly shamed for that, you know, that don't you know that you are um you're going against God in this or don't you know that that's um mm. that that's not characteristic of a child of God or that's not in alignment yet, with, with your this, calling and with this undertone of but you're called by God. Mm-hmm. So this balance with that played into the shame of being special and being sure. um, set apart or uh, what a striving. What a... Yeah. What a... <clears throat> yeah. So, and again, like I like I said, I'm, I, I only know what I experienced. Yeah. And so I don't try to speak for, for all charismatics. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't try to speak for Pentecostals, um, even though there's some crossover there, you know. Mm-hmm. I just know what I what I experienced, um, growing up. And I, I know that our church, um, became a part of a larger association of, of charismatic churches. And I, and just going, you know, later on and, and talking with a lot of friends, you know, that have, that aren't a part of those church associations anymore and stuff. And we kind of compare notes about what we experienced, that kind of thing. I just know there was a lot of manipulation. There was a lot of, um, you know, we talked about in the last episode of, you know, people exuding power over other people. Is and, that the Bible temple? Um, yeah. Stuff? Yeah. And it's not called that anymore. Um, but it's, uh, but it was, it was that kind of thing where it was, um, where it was, there was definitely like power systems in play 
and you did not go against those power systems or they would crush you. And crushing you means you'd be excommunicated. Crushing you means that you would be, you know, outcast, you know, that you would be shamed in front or of everybody. Or just not raised be... up into those yeah. um, desired yeah. positions within right. the church. I remember, uh, you know, a couple conversations, you and one of your friends from childhood friends growing up, you guys would talk about how um, it was almost like you had to marry into that structure. Like there was almost a royalty there was, that existed in there. That. Yeah. And so if you weren't part of that, uh, that special right. group, it was, and it seemed like that was what everybody was striving to do was to be part of the royalty. Be part of the, that in group. Yeah. That there was, it was something to be desired. It was something to, you know, to be, to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would stop short of saying, of calling it a cult, but it had a lot of similar vibe to it, you know, um, where there was, again, just a lot of control. Um, when I hear, when I hear you and others talk about that particular, um, experience, um, to me from the outside, not having experienced it, it just has, has all those red flags all over it. Um, the control, the manipulation, the guilt, the shame, um, and yet the um, inability to walk away um, and what that would result in if you did. Um, and so, uh, you know, from the outside, it definitely has a lot of those characteristics. Yeah, and, and in the same way that, that cults kind of act, um, it's because it's very alienating, right? Yes. So you, the longer you're within that, the the longer that's all that you know because the encouragement is to disassociate yourself from worldly people, mm. um, to not hang out with sinners, to not, ha- you know, um, you can, you, you should be evangelizing them, but you shouldn't be hanging out with them. You shouldn't have your, your friends, your community should only be within this space of the church. Mm-hmm. And so at any point in time, if you start to struggle with that or have issue with that and you, desire to walk away from it you're literally walking away from everything because you've cut all your friendship ties you've Mm. cut all your family ties you've cut all um you know your communal ties and so you don't because you have like cut them off like Mm -hmm. you've said i can't hang out with you anymore right and now now where do you go now you have you can't go back into the church anymore because you know you've you've seen some issue there but there's no one left on the outside for you anymore you're well, on because, your own. Oh, and not just that they're not left on the outside, <clears throat> is that you deeply believe that the influence that is on the outside is going to damage you. That the world is there right. to bring you down, that it's sinful right. and wrong. And so there isn't just a whether I'm accepted or not. It's a real deeply ingrained idea that the world is not for you. Yeah, and all of this is predicated on a absolute belief that what what our goal is is to quote unquote finish the race well. Okay, meaning there was this analogy given in the Bible about a runner who starts a race also needs to finish well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if you know, if I live the way I'm supposed to my entire life. 
and it all falls apart at the end, then I'm still going to burn in hell forever. Right. And so, um, so there was, it was all about this, that I have to make sure that I stay strong all the way through. So you um, weren't a frozen chosen. No, 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 no. That was, that was a different thing. That was, later. M- that was mine. Yeah. Yeah. That was my growing up. Yeah. And so, no, you could, I mean, you could, you could lose, lose your, your salvation. salvation. You could quote unquote backslide. We hear about backsliders yeah. all the time. Um, and they were no longer saved. They were in danger of hell. Mm. And so the whole point was making sure that you made it to heaven. That's um, the shame and emphasis. Yeah. Now, that wasn't based on your actions, they would say. That's based on your whether or not you have confessed all of your sins to Jesus and, and that sort of thing. Um, and he's <sighs> forgiven you of all of your sins. But... If you do the wrong actions and you don't confess them, then you can be in danger of that too. So then I would went through this whole period of time where I'd pray every single night. I'd, I'd ask Jesus to forgive my sins because I was afraid of dying in my sleep and forgetting Aww. to ask him to forgive me of my sins. And then I would go to hell. And um, and so this is, I mean, it it's a, um, what I understand now, it's a very broken understanding of God. Um, it's just a fundamentally flawed understanding of, of God. Um, even as God presents him in the Bible, you know, um, it's fundamental misunderstanding of that. Right. Um, What a burden for a child to carry to bed every night. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Yeah. Um, And if you stop to think about it long enough, you probably never could be good enough. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to come to that end solution because you could not beat yourself into enough submission to acquire that. I have so many friends from that period of time um, that, you know, I have either come back into contact with through you know, social media or, or we've actually made contact and had conversations or, yeah. or whatever. And we just share stories that just have completely walked away from mm. anything having to do with faith or religion God. or church or anything, God, anything, because the pressure was too much. Um, it was, I mean, it was inherent within the, the belief system that if you, um, if, if there isn't this, um, if there isn't the, the fear of the paddle, then the child will just do whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll just run amok. So there has to be, you know, and so the paddle was, um, uh, was hell. Um, and so now <laughs> it, that begins to morph and, and kind of shift a bit as you start getting older and, you know, and your thinking changes and that sort of thing. But it never leaves. Right. And I think that's the thing is that it it never like it it changes what it looks like. And you 
and you kind of start talking and using other language around it and all that kind of thing. It's a little more socially acceptable. Maybe. Yeah, but it never really leaves that I don't want to burn in hell forever, right? And so I want to be with God in heaven. I mean, that's that's what I want, right? Um, and your whole, as a child, your whole worldview, the way you grasp reality, period, is formed by this. Right. And it, one of the biggest differences that I, we quickly noticed between both of us is that there was um, a very uh, experiential, spiritual side to your faith upbringing right. versus mine, which was a very heady um, information, education-based, not necessarily better. I don't think either right. one of them was better than the other. But there was um, definitely this this side that I saw that you had experienced that was far more, like, involved with right. the world. Or, or, I mean, with the spiritual world. Um, it wasn't just information. Right. Um. Yeah, because I, I think that the um, along with all of that, there had to be some kind of of proof that it was in effect, proof that it was working, and so the proof was the experience. Um, and so, if you could connect with the spiritual realm, right? So you could see visions. You could get mm. words from the Lord. If you could speak slain in, in tongues, spirit. if you could be slain in the spirit, those were all proofs that that you were holy. you were holy. Yeah, that you were safe. Right. Right. Um, wow. And so that um, so began to like like crave those things. I remember that from a, a young age. Yeah. That like I would. I mean, I wanted those experiences I wanted those proofs um, mm. because I wanted to belong um, I <laughs> wanted to I wanted to belong in the side that was going to heaven right um, gonna be with God forever and not going to hell uh, I th also heard you say in and now it's making a lot more sense to me as I hear you talk about this that you also wanted to have God aware of you. And so those experiences yeah. would have said God's involved in me. I, I think that's, that was a morphing of what happened. Hmm. And so, um, it was much more base when I was young, which I think is true for, for yeah. any kid. I mean, you know, I think for, I think for a lot of kids, I mean, you, you know, you don't do the thing, you don't steal the cookie out of the cookie jar because if you get caught, you're going to get a whooping, right? right. Um, or you're going to, whatever it is, be put in the corner or you know, whatever. Oh, it was definitely um, whoopings when we were kids. But yeah, yeah, when we were kids, it was whoopings, right? Um, and so so if there wasn't a whooping, I might go in and get the cookie anyway. Well, it's the same thing where it's like, you know, the, the fear of, you know, of hell kept me... Um, mm. spiritually in line. Okay. To a certain extent. Um, and then later as I, you know, you know, so then, you know, once I got into like my high school years, I, 
um, I was introduced to a, a program, Youth of the Mission or YWAM, which was a you know a short-term missions program. Mm-hmm. And so when I was 16, I I took a trip to Europe and Russia with that. You know, we were over there for like a, a month, I think, and uh, you know to evangelize um, right. with this organization. That led me to um, after I graduated to going to Maui. Uh, to the YWAM Discipleship Training School there, which is where we met. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, uh, if for no other reason, that trip was awesome. Um, <laughs> and so, um, but uh, yeah, but in that, it was it was a very charismatic organization. It was not Pentecostal. It was very charismatic. Okay. Um, and. Um, and, and again, the whole thing for, for me in that was this is the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. I have a calling on my life. God's going to raise me up to be this great preacher, and I'm going to mm-hmm. preach to thousands, and I'm going to do all these amazing things for his name and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so this was part of my natural trajectory that I, you know, this was the next yeah. part of my training, right, in, was in, in this missions work. And could so, I, Can I just interject yeah, how, yeah. how I got there? Yeah, <laughs> because for me, there were other kids in my youth group that were starting to do this thing, but it was a little bit of an act of, I don't want to say rebellion, but it it really wasn't a rebellion. That's not a good word, but it was, uh, it was our church was highly missions oriented, right? So it satisfied that, but it definitely wasn't really the faith practice um, that we were used to. Um, I had some people in my life that were very you should not go this is like flipping sides this is a bad organization don't you know those those are the crazy people so i felt i went because there was i knew that there was a group that would go to india and i had been so drawn to india i should use proper words at that time which was i felt called Mm -hmm. to go to india and um and it was an experience that I could not, like an idea of an experience that I could not escape. And so um, that was my primary movie or um, uh, motivator to go. But I went with my Bible and my charismatic chaos <laughs> literally together yes. at all times. Yes. Because I thought if I'm going into this environment, I have to protect myself right. from um, bad theology. And so that was how I ended up there. Um, I, little did I know, I look back now, and I see that there was, there was still a part of me that wanted to say, I do not know how to experience, and I'm air quoting here, experience God. I know yeah. a lot about him. I know information, and I could probably argue circles around most people that were at our, our school um, regarding theology. But... I had not had experience um, with God. And so I knew that that part would be entertained in this particular school. And um, so I think in a weird sort of way, I think it was uh, an interesting move on my part to uh, to consider that venturing out of my, my comfort zone or my normal um, or even my theology base was um, good for growth. Um, now that school was totally fucked up. I mean, on so every level. But we could we could just have an hour our conversation, conversation on about that. How fucked up it was. Yeah. But um, that being said, there was 
immense amounts of things I learned by moving out of my comfort zone uh, and meeting you too, which is a really fun story. That's it for another, you know, podcast. <laughs> but the um, but that that is where our worlds collided for the first time, which is really strange. It was meant it made sense that you ended up there. It was totally out of the box for me to end up right. there. Um, and you know the experience part of it. <laughs> um, you know. Back when I was first introduced to um, Youth of the Mission, you know, when I was 16, I went on the trip to Europe. Um, that was called King's Kids, by the way. <laughs> Which... Wow. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've said these words. I know. <laughs> anyway, so on King's Kids, <laughs> um, we, I, we had this time when, before we went to Europe, when... Um, all of the, well, many of the King's Kids groups that were going to all different places in the world all met in, um, uh, we were in, I think, in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey. And so we had a big, like, like a two-day send-off there, and then we all went to our respective mm -hmm. trips, right? And so um, while we were there, they had this big revival kind of meeting. Mm. I mean, we were all Christians, you know, but right. but still it was that kind of feel to it, big, you know, loud music and heavy on the experiential part and, you know. Was the purpose of, of these types of things to be slain in the spirit? I don't, I don't know. To receive I honestly don't spirit? know if it was the purpose of it, but it was certainly a component of it. So there was lots of hands in the air, lots of speaking in tongues, lots of, and at one point in time, I do remember a lot of people, like, what I call it, just going down, you know, so being slain in the spirit. And and that was the first time that I was watching this happen. And, and I said to myself, you know, I want this so badly, but I really want it to be authentic. I don't want it to be fake. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to be totally open to it, but I want my knees to buckle. Like I, I want to be. I wanted to forced. I wanted ground. to. I wanted mm -hmm. to know that I couldn't stand if I wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to know it was real, and I remember at that point um, looking around, and all of my teammates were on the ground, and I was the only one standing, mm -hmm. and so a couple of leaders came over, and like surrounded me. And then more leaders, and then more leaders. So pretty soon I had like four or five leaders around me praying for me. And I just, I still wouldn't go down. And then it was kind of like, they all just kind of like, mm, oh well. You know? mm. And I remember thinking, did I just really screw that up? You know, mm. did I, um, did I somehow offend God? You know, um, and that, that really stuck with me. That, that started something in me. Um, mm. that just kept growing over the years. A couple years later, we ended up in Hawaii, and, yeah. and you and I were there. A similar experience yeah, happened with one of the teachers that was there. And I remember everybody starting to go down, get slain in the spirit. And I said again to myself, I said, I want this so bad, but I'm so afraid of faking it now. Because I had missed out on it before, 
it'd be so easy to fake it and pretend like it was real. And I was like, I just want to know that it's real. I'm so open. God, please. I'm so open to this, you know? And I remember at the end of that time, everybody being flat on their backs in there. And I remember thinking I was the only person standing. And I was like, God, I've done it again. And I just remember looking around the room and lo and behold, there was one other person standing in the room. And you and I made eye contact and we were the only two who were not slain in the spirit. Um, and I just remember thinking again, I have just royally screwed up with God. I mean, I have just, for the second time now, I have, I have defied God, you know, and, uh, and such a different response than I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My, mine was, I did not give in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is so you. (laughs) And that's so me. I have... I have done something wrong. I have offended God. And you're like, fuck all y'all. I'm not going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there we were, you and I. Um, and it bonded us. Yeah. We really started having some deep conversations after that. It um, did. Uh, it brought up questions for both of us. I mean, just yeah. because that's not what I wanted to see happen to myself. I wouldn't say that there wasn't an experience I wanted to have with God. What that was, what that expectation was, I didn't really know. Yeah. But um, I was in that position where, you know, God's going to have to force me to the ground if this is really him. Yeah. And I didn't really expect that he would. So... Um, but it, it did, it was like, how does everybody, mine was probably a little bit more scientific. How does everybody do this? Like what is going through their head that they're so vulnerable to be able to just fall to the ground? Cause it wasn't just falling to the ground. People were doing all kinds of things in that process. Right. Um, so, um, but yeah, it did. It, it, um, kind of opened us up to each other in terms of conversation, like, Hey, we're not just part of the, you know, the flow here. There's, there's something more to talk about. Yeah. Well, there was an, there was another thing that happened too. And that was, um, they had this, you know, famous prophet that came in that was very well known. And within that community, yes. Yeah, within I would say, I mean, within the charismatic community, period, not just the Wyoming community. I mean, well, he was pretty well known. I didn't well know known. who he was when I got um, there. Because <laughs> you weren't in that community. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, anyway. Pseudo-famous. Yes. Um, and so, uh, but a famous prophet. He was known for prophesying mm-hmm. over people. And so, and everybody... I don't remember. He was so creepy. He was just, oh yeah, I did not want to be left alone in a room with him. It was that kind of. I don't remember this. um, But so he went and he did like, he specifically prophesied over every person in our school, and there was like I don't know fifty or sixty of us or something like that. And so this was kind of a big deal. And 
they recorded everybody's prophecies and and I was so looking forward to mine because again I was looking for mm-hmm. a connection point with God like something was broken between God and I and I was looking for this to be like this is how you fix it God's going to say yeah. something he's going to tell me how he wants me to fix right. this now you know and I remember um him you know saying the prophecy over me and um and it was all very Ooh, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I are getting done and going, what was that? <laughs> and then I was like, I must have just missed something. And so going back and getting the, at the time, the tape of it <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and listening to it over and over and over and over again. And every time I listened to it thinking, what is wrong with me? I don't get anything he's saying. Like, none of this makes sense to me. Um, like, mm. just none of it makes any sense. Like, it's so, like, it's, it's vague by vague standards. Right? Mm. And, like, and I don't see how any of it, like, I can't even make it make sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I, I had this, like, series of things going on that were just, like, um, were making me feel more and more distant from God all the time because you know in this highly experiential faith tradition where so much of the proof of the pudding is in your what experiences are you having right mm-hmm. um, are you hearing from God are you are you speaking on behalf of God are you um, are you praying in tongues? Are you being slain in the spirit? Are you, um, are you being overwhelmed with emotions, you know, during worship times? Are you, you know, all this kind of stuff. None of that was happening with me. And so then when I would try to be sincere in my pursuit of an authentic kind of expression of that, then, and, and like begging God, begging God to, you know, to just meet me, meet me here. You know, I, I am your guy. I I want, you know, it, like I wasn't being met. Um, I, as I understood it. Um, and so it just began like this, this pattern of my life of just like, I am not okay. I am here. I am. I'm supposed to be this chosen one. I'm supposed to be this calling, you know, called, mm-hmm. Colin, <laughs> called person who's going to do mighty things in the name of God. And I'm going to, you know, be this mighty evangelist and this preacher and all this kind of stuff. And God has turned his back on me. Like I have, I have pissed him off. I've done something wrong. Um, mm. And that's how, you know, I went on to the Philippines and did three months in the Philippines and, you know, um, and came back from that and 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 I was just a I was a wreck. I was a mess. Like I didn't know up from down. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything. Um my I was in a headspace that was just not not okay. Um and so I chose at that time not to go home, but I I chose to go stay with a, a mentor friend of mine and can can we say Utah. how twisted this got? Is that okay? <sighs> sure. <laughs> he 
you, you, I was in India while you were there in right. the Philippines, and we had kept in touch. That meant writing letters, snail <laughs> <Yes>. mail, internationally. <laughs> International letters. <laughs> so, um, it was very, uh, very few letters, but we did get a yeah, few back and forth. We stayed in touch for sure. Yeah, and I remember coming off the plane, going, "I hope he is there waiting for me." Because you were the thing that made sense to me in all of this chaos mm. of this organization. And I'd had my whole trip was a whole other story. Yeah. But um, I didn't see you at the airport. And, like, I th- expected that you might be there when because there's yeah. groups that come and yeah. pick you up. And so I didn't see you till the next day. And you were in the kitchen um, working when I found you. And I was I came back very, very sick. So sick. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot for me to go and to find you. And I remember I found you, and we went out to this grassy area where it's kind of a place where we would all end up going at some point, kind of a communal area. And we went out there and sat down, and it didn't take you two seconds to tell me, I have to tell you, I'm getting married. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> and um, and I, I was just so baffled that you got back from three months engaged and I'm like wow and and I think the reason I bring that up is because there was I think there was pressure for you to do this thing that you thought was the right thing to do with somebody who was absolutely not who you wanted to do that with so here's the thing though I wasn't the only one on our team no (laughs) There were other people right. who came back saying they were going to get married, married too. Right. It was, yeah, it was weird. It was, it was, but that, that is that. It took me like all of five minutes to convince you that you were not going to do this because this was really messed up. Okay. The way you have told me the story before is that you did no convincing I as I was telling yeah, yeah, you yeah, about that's this, true. That's true. by the time before you even had a chance to say anything, I had talked already yourself talked out myself of it. Out that's of true. It. You're 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 totally you're totally right. It just yes. wasn't a long period of time of us out there doing that, and you just started just started talking and ex- explaining the scenario and everything that got you there, and and by the end of it, you're like, I can't do this, and you said, I can't go home. I mean, it was in that moment you said, yeah. I can't go home. Yeah. I'm I'm a mess. I need help. Yeah. And I mean it was like as I'm telling you the greatest news of my life. I mean, you were you came out so excited to tell me about this. Yeah, and, and then I'm going, What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. You know? And you just you broke in that moment of like utter despair. Like I'm I I just hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I, I can't go home. Yeah. And you called a friend who, somebody we both knew, actually, yeah. who um, you trusted. Been a mentor yeah, he had been a yeah. mentor. And it was somebody that you trusted as a, yeah. a good voice in that. And he was familiar with YWAM. So, um, well, he, he was still in YWAM. Yeah, he just did yeah. YWAM very differently than everybody else yeah. we knew. Yeah. But he, um, you're like, can I, can I come out there? Can I just come see you? Can I just come see yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> and you got on a plane from Hawaii and went straight to Ogden, Utah. Yeah. And 
you stay there for months. Yeah. But he, that that was how ground how um how uh desperate you were in that moment of this whole thing for you just came crashing in in that yeah. very moment. And so you know, I will say this. Um you know, growing up with in this kind of faith tradition. Um, even when I told my parents that I was getting married and all this, my parents were like, wait, what? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. I mean, it was even like, I mean, this was, this was even beyond like yeah. my upbringing. Right. This was like, I had gone to a whole different kind of place mm-hmm. What I really, truly, honestly believe was my absolute desperation to connect with God. And somehow this fit into that. Yeah. Because there was this, um, well, because honestly, somebody on the trip had told me that we were supposed to get married. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I took that as God speaking to me through this person. And you were desperate to have and God I speak was to you. Desperate, and I was not about to force God into a position of turning his back on me again. So yeah. it was like, oh, you said God spoke? Okay, great. You know. Yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> this, I, you know, I didn't, I guess you don't really know until you start getting into this. Yeah. The, the length these conversations are. Um, but that's like, I kind of see like these four phases of my, of my faith journey so far. Um, yeah. And that was pretty much phase one. Wow. Up to that point. I mean, cause I'm, I'm 18 years old now. I mean, I'm, I, that's my childhood up through, mm-hmm. you know, and now I'm, out of school and, and kind of looking on. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to do four podcasts on this, <laughs> but I think there's going to be at least one more, you know. And But I think what it does say is that um, we often think that our religious faith, our religious upbringing is about arriving at something. And what we realize at mid-40s is that it's all been a journey from the very beginning of um, understanding ourselves, understanding our world around us, understanding our um, interaction with God. Um, And, and, and I think had we both from very different perspectives, but had we both looked at it as a child or been given the parameters to look at it as a journey of continual progression of learning and, growth and understanding and really an evolution with God and with creation, with our existence here, we would have been in really different places, really absent of shame, um, absent of um, some really unfortunate, um, destructive thought processes. Yeah about ourselves, about our world. Um, and uh, we might not have even imposed that on other people um, because I think in our growth process, we were figuring it out as we went and yeah. there were times where we imposed that on other people. Um, but knowing that uh, 
we land in something, we start in something, um, but we but we're continually growing and evolving into new thought. I hope bigger thought, grander thought, more expansive thought of who God is. Yeah, I definitely think that that is that is a learned process, though, because you know, like when we look at our at our faith development over the years, there are definitely some very hard cutoff points too, mm-hmm. where there are like shifts, like yep. yeah, um, yeah, where things just like oh, hey, things aren't the same as they were yesterday. I think this was um, one of your shifts. Yeah, and I and I can, and that's why I say I think there's like four mm-hmm. phases so far. So I got three of them. <laughs> yes. Holy yeah, frick! Well, God, we. I was a kid when I married you. Of course know, you did. I know. We've been together longer <laughs> than we haven't now. So, yeah. Um, but there were a few of those very abrupt, <laughs> like, life-shattering kinds of shifts that just everything was different. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, we're in a, a place now where where we're embracing the ongoing shift yeah, yeah and they're less abrupt and they're, they're more expected at this point mm-hmm. um but but we can i mean i you know again that's all that's all part of it that I you know we, i've heard your story into. a few times just as throughout the years and parts and pieces but i learn something new every time and i'm um i think that when i do understand the level of shame that your faith brought you, it truly breaks my heart. Like to think that yeah. the the pressure you were under at such a young age to be something that was utterly impossible to be. Yeah. Like actually isn't possible. Um, instead of being given the space to be who you were. Or to just be a kid. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like just, playing yeah. the dirt, or <laughs> right. and, and I know you ha- you have some really fun childhood memories, especially when you get together with Joe. I hear all about it, but um, <laughs> good, yes. bad, and the ugly. Yeah. But but you definitely have that. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist, but but the pressure um, in in your faith to I'm not, I, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't, I don't know if it was really about pleasing God or was it pleasing, you know, the construct around you. It feels like it was about pleasing God. Yeah. He so desperately wanted to be seen by him. Yeah. And I say him because that's how you knew him. That's how I knew him. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All right. Listen. Um, now you're all uncomfortable. Are you done? Are you done? Yes, I am finished. <laughs> the nine has set in. It's time to go into the hole, and <laughs> the vulnerability to, is. I need to enter my it. inner sanctum and recuperate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I just think there's there is a lot more of the story that yeah. that I want to share that I want to talk about, um, and it's you know it's probably going to take a, a couple of shots yeah. at it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is a, this is a good, this is the, the phase one shift going into phase two mm-hmm. now. And it's a, it's a good spot to, to take a break. And okay. so, and it's getting on like dinner time. We can go make some dinner together. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I 
love making dinner with you. Right. Um, are you finding it like like you're withholding conversation a little bit because we're wanting to save it for? Yeah. Are you struggling with that a little bit? Yeah. 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 I find I find that sometimes we'll start to get into a conversation. We're like, nope, hold that thought. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. what do we do now? We're gonna have to learn that balance. Yeah. But it is kind of it is fun. It know? is fun because yeah. I think we have had some like big shift conversations yeah. um, in our marriage yep. and. Um, sometimes we're like, we do share them with other people. We're like, we were having this conversation the other day and other times it's just part of our evolution Yeah. as a couple. And, um, and you don't always know how you get there, but you know, you got there through right. converse, through these right. types of conversations. So, um, I, I loved, um, one of my friends, uh, had some feedback on the very first podcast that we did, um, uh, Shelly and Arnold, and they said that, um, you know, they think they, they have, you know, they have these great conversations too, but, but to listen with a different level of intent. And I think that does happen when a microphone is set between you is that there is, <laughs> there is this different, um, different conversation that comes to the table, uh, or at least the awareness of it, of the listening. We have nothing else to distract us. We're looking at each other while we're having this conversation right. rather than multitasking. And um, so I think in some ways it's a really, it is a sacred space because um, it's very focused and very um, intentional. And I it do is. appreciate that. It is. It is a sacred space. Yeah. That name was intentional. It was. <laughs> no, we'll just share it with the whole world. It's <laughs> is this day sacred when you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm good with it if you are. 